together. Well, turn with me to the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 23. This verse has been in my heart and mind. Just a phrase. We'll read a few verses, but then we're going to clue in on one phrase. 2 Samuel, chapter 23. Let's begin in verses 1 and 2. 2 Samuel 23, verse 1. Sound like my business meeting a couple weeks ago. <laughs> verse 1. Now these be the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, said, And the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel said, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his words was in my tongue. Now skip down with me to verse 8. These be the names of the mighty men whom David had. Tachmonite, that sat in the seat, chief among the captains. The same was Adono, the is night, he lifted up his spear against eight hundred against eight hundred whom he slew at one time. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite, one of three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines that were there, gathered together to battle. And the men of Israel were gone away. He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil. Six words found in verse 10 I want to preach. His hand clave unto the sword. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to preach your word. Father, we ask that your spirit would encourage and give us strength. And, Father, that we would go out of here realizing that, Father, we don't battle in our own mind. That, Father, you've given us everything we need for the battle ahead. Father, we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me see it. His hand clave to the sword. These are the last words of David, his last words. And this is David, of course, the king of Israel, whom Jesus one day will reign on the throne of David. And David, as he is laying on his deathbed, is, is, is giving his last words, and he is reminded of his mighty men of battle, his mighty men of valor, the Bible says. Now, where did he get these mighty men? Uh, we're going to turn a lot tonight, and you can turn with me to some of these, or you can let me to read them. But you'll find that in the book of First Samuel, uh, in the book of First Samuel, that many of these men came to David in Hebron and Kish, and that they they were discontented and they were discomforted and they were upset. Uh, with the situation that was happening. And they came to David, and these mighty men, out of 400 men, he called out captains. Now, he describes Eleazar here, uh, 
And he says one day, after the battle had, the, the soldiers had gone, him and David and Eleazar, the son, they fought the Philistines all day. But after the battle was over, he couldn't let go of the sword. It said he fought until his hand was weary or exhausted. But it says his hand clave or it was stuck to the sword. Maybe it was a physical thing. Now, I have actually experienced something similar to this uh, a long time ago. About seven years ago, I was in Wise, Virginia, which is the big mountains in Virginia. And I was coming down a mountain range, and there was road construction. It was night. It was foggy. It was cold, and there was ice on the ground. And a two-lane going down a mountain is now a one-lane with no guardrail. And I've got a semi-truck behind me, and semi-trucks on a mountain cannot slow down. I'm doing 115 on ice, straight down a mountain. (laughs) All right. I finally found a place to pull over. And I couldn't let go of the steering wheel. I I had held that steering wheel so tight that I just just felt like I couldn't let go of it. I mean, I, I finally did. So maybe it was a physical thing. Maybe he had battled so long and fought so hard. Maybe it was a psychological thing. I don't know. Maybe he couldn't put down the sword. The battle was over, but maybe he he just couldn't put it down. uh, Maybe he wouldn't put it down. Maybe he could put it down, but maybe he wouldn't put it down. Maybe he shouldn't put it down. I don't know, but the Word of God is typed as a sword throughout the Word of God. The Bible is filled with battles. And throughout the Old Testament, we have battle after battle after battle. We know that the Old Testament was written for our encouragement, our admonition, our illustration. But we know that in the New Testament, it's very clear, God makes it clear, what He has pictured in the Old Testament that the Sword is the Word of God. Turn with me over here to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. You know these verses, but we do want to read them, and we'll get into our main points here in a minute. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, we find the whole armor of God. He says in verse 10 of Ephesians 6, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, and our battle isn't against people, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, Stand, therefore, having your loins uh, girded about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, You realize in these verses that the only offensive weapon is the sword. 
Everything else is defensive. A helmet is defensive. A, a, a shield is defensive. A breastplate is defensive. It is to stop and protect yourself against the enemy's onslaught onto you. But the only offensive weapon that is listed is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. I quit for about three days. But I can't put it down. I won't put it down, and I shouldn't put it down. You know, now I don't know where this soldier will be yielding this sword, but he isn't going to quit. And he's going to move forward. Now, some of you may be fought, facing battles in your life, and I want you to know that if you're facing a battle in your life, this right here is the only weapon you have against the enemy. The only way to win the battles of life is to be stuck to the Bible. His hand was stuck to the sword. Why did Eleazar cleave to the sword? Number one, for battle. For battle. His hand claved to the sword for battle. And this is what we go to battle with, is the Word of God. You know, the worlds were framed, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, by the words of God. God spoke this world into existence. And He upholds it by the Word of His power. God spoke everything into existence. And we know Jesus Christ is the Word. All things were created by Him. And the Lord speaks. And He is the Word of God. And the final battle in Revelation 19, when He comes to judge the earth, as a sharp sword will proceed out of where? His mouth. By which he will judge the nations. The word of God is what we use for battle. Look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, if you will. <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm usually a, a verse by verse kind of guy that gets in and really explains a verse and to some, I may be committing an unpardonable sin tonight of preaching a topical type of message, but they're, they're biblical as well. Uh, uh, and if, if you don't like topical preaching, then don't read Spurgeon or Moody or Edwards <laughs> or a whole bunch of others. But Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Whatever battle you're facing, God's word is enough. It's enough. Now, we have battles within. We have battles within. You know, the, you know we were kids in church. A lot of times a little phrase would go around. And, well, the devil made me do it. Well, the devil made me do it. I don't know if anybody ever heard that or before. But the devil made me do it. Hey, your problem is the devil. You know what my biggest problem is? 
It isn't them church members that got angry. You know who my biggest problem is? Rob Jeffries is my biggest problem. Well, how do how do you how do you do that? Well, the word of God, look what the word of look at what the enemy of the word of look what the sword does. Casting down imaginations. Now where does that happen? It happens right here. We can make things bigger than they are. And every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity, what? Every thought. To the obedience of Christ. And so we can have the battle within. The war of the mind. And how we take care of the war of the mind and, 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 and just, hey, whether it's discouragement or depression or whether it's pride or whether it's arrogance, whatever it is, The words of Christ, they can win the battle over your own mind. We have the battle within, we have the battle without. You know, Christ was not led into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil to prove he was Christ. (laughs) That's ridiculous. Or to prove that he could pass a temptation. You know why he was tempted? As an illustration for me. Because how did Christ overcome temptation? Now, Christ could have said, devil, I'm impeccable. You can't tempt me. And I'm God and just leave. But you know what? I can't do that. So how did, how did our Lord combat it? It is written. It is written. It is written. The word of God is typed into a hammer. It's typed into a plumb line. It's typed to water. It's everything that we need to overcome the battles of our life. Whatever your battle is, God's word will give you the blueprint for victory. Whatever your battle is. You were talking about young people going away to college. And when you said that, it reminded me of something. Several years ago, the story is told that a young man was going to go off to college, and his dad was really worried about the teaching of evolution and, and, and all the humanists, all the humanism and things that was going to bring that uh, young man and, and tear away from the Word of God. And so his dad told him, he said he had an un, he said, "Don't let your professors cut the book of Jonah out of your Bible." And he said, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, the book of Jonah, look, I believe it if the Bible says that that Jonah swallowed the fish, okay? I believe it. But that book is one of the books that they attack, the humanist attack. Oh, a whale couldn't swallow a man and all this. And so he figured that book would be under attack. He said, do not allow them to cut the book of Jonah out of your Bible. The young man goes off to college. He comes back. He, had a, he traveled many states away. He came back after four years, and he said, he said, son, do you still believe the book of Jonah? He said, no. He said, you allowed them to cut the book of Jonah out of your Bible? He said, well, you don't believe it. He said, what do you mean I don't believe it? He said, you don't believe the book of Jonah. 
And it's been, and you don't have the book of Jonah in your Bible. He said, what are you talking about? He said, Dad, go get your Bible. His dad went in and he got his Bible and he opened up to where the book of Jonah would be and he found the book of Jonah gone in a letter there. So his son had cut the book of Jonah out of his Bible the day before he left for college four years ago, but his daddy never knew it. It's one thing to say you believe the word of God, but actions speak louder than words. And if you don't ever read the book of Jonah, you don't believe the book of Jonah. And the issue with a lot of kids going off, the reason why we lose a whole lot of kids, is they hear what their parents say, but more than that, they see what their, how their parents live. My mama used to have a saying, many times I'd be in an excuse mode. You know excuse mode? And she'd, she'd just look at me and go, shut it. Your actions are louder than your voice. We can say we hold to the word of God, but do we really hold to it? Do we study it? Do we hold on to it? There's battles in life. Battles are real. We have strife and contentions are real. Trials are real. Like the old preacher said, I heard the other day, the three Hebrew boys got out, but the furnace is still burning. There's still trials. There's still difficulties. And Jesus Christ never told us that we would have an ease if we followed the word of God. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 10. <coughs> well, I got to get moving. Matthew chapter 10. Look with me in verse 34. Now, we're, we're at that time of year where you're going to hear the song, uh, you know, Peace on Earth, Goodwill to Men. And I've heard many people say, oh, yeah, Jesus came from heaven to earth to bring peace on earth. No, he didn't. Not the first time. Let me repeat myself. Jesus did not, was not born in Bethlehem, lived 33 years on this earth during that period of time to bring peace on earth. He didn't. That's not why he came the first time. Now he'll bring it the second time. Why did he bring it the first? Why did he come the first time? Well, let's see what he says. Verse 34 of chapter 10. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. What's that sword do? What does any sword do? It cuts. And what, is, what, what happens when you cut something? Well, you divide it. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and a daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Well, I know a whole lot of people like that. I, I thank God I was raised in a Christian home and my brothers and sisters try to serve the Lord, but I know a whole lot of people through the years, they get saved and their family don't want to have nothing to do with them. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. 
It's a sword. It's a divider. And it's been given for battle. And we can't put it down. We can't, we can't leave it. Not in the battles of this life. Secondly, his hand claved to the sword for, I would think, and these, you know, I don't have any verse that tells me this is, this is my thought, for comfort. For comfort. After the battle was over, he continued to hang on to the sword. I can tell you this, and through the years, uh, this has brought me more comfort than anything. He held on to it for comfort. You ever been going through the woods at night and you hear, you hear a noise? What's the first thing you do? <laughs> you grab. What's going on? You hear noise in the night and you're running? You, something sounds like something's going to try to come in the house. What do you do? You grab. I remember as kids, I got to tell yeah, I got to tell this real fast. We went up to National Boone, uh, Daniel Boone, Daniel Boone National Forest to uh, go camping. And the guys that took us up there in the Boy Scout troop that we had, uh, it, it was a couple churches came together and had a Boy Scout troop. And, uh, and they were setting us up the whole time. They were driving us by places where they knew there was old steels and stuff like that. They, they got them up there. You didn't have to try hard. Old steels and different things. And I was only about 12 or 13 years old. And they just kept putting it in our head of the moonshiners and the moonshiners, everybody that's in that area. And so that night we're, we're all around the campfire and everything of that nature. And uh, all of a sudden, we hear something back in the woods. And Chick Baker, who was the leader of the thing, he said, Now, boys, y'all y'all need to get back in your tent. And we was only in sixth grade, so however old I was, probably 18 at that, you know. But no, uh, 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 so we all ran back in that tent. I like Jethro, you know. Um, so uh, 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 we all ran back in that tent. And then we heard gunfire. And there was about four or five guys with us, and one of them starts screaming. We had this fella, his name was John Bailey, but we called him Beetle Bailey, all right? Beetle's down, Beetle's down, and we're all, we're all just scared to death. Boy, I guarantee you we was praying that night. Every one of us in there was praying and screaming and crying. And then finally, the fella beside me, Freddie Hearn, said, Chick's got a gun in the back of, the, back of his truck. They're going to come and kill us because it kept sounding like everybody's down. So all of us ran out of the tent at the same time we jumped in the truck. And I'm not kidding you. There was a gun on the gun rack. And we all just, there was about six of us, and we just grabbed it. We were just holding it. Now, I don't know what that's going to do, but in that moment, we was all just holding it. I had part of it. One of them had part of it. And then nobody could use it because we were all just holding on to it. Like that was going to save us. Then finally they came out and... And said, boys, y'all need to, we were just playing, this wasn't nothing but a farce. And they went in the tent, whew, well, we can't, we can't have, you're really going to sleep outside. I mean, it was a scary situation for a 12-year-old. They took that prank a little far. But my point was that we ran, and for whatever reason, it was security to us. This is my security blanket right here. I remember when my mom was on her, she was dying. At home, in hospice, she she was an avid reader, but she had lost her eyesight, and she had gone with the Bible on tape, and the and that thing played twenty four seven. And when we'd come and visit her, we'd slip in and we'd listen. She would sit there; she couldn't hardly open her eyes, and then finally we'd find the chapter and verse, and then I'd hit it. 
stop it. I'd pick up reading wherever it was at. And she'd just look up and just smile. So she knew one of her sons was reading it to her at that time. Maybe he held on to it for comfort. The battle's over. Just get along with the sword after the battle. Sing them over again to me. Wonderful words of life. Make me more of their beauty, see. Wonderful words of life. Thirdly, his hand claved to the sword for courage. For courage. Look with me, if you will, quickly in the book of Joshua, chapter 1. I'm looking down through here and trying to figure out which verses. The thing about writing a sermon in two hours is you you add too much. <laughs> uh, Joshua chapter 1. We'll read this real quick. You already know I'm, most of you know where I'm going. I can't put it down. I can't. I just can't stop it. You know, I'm out in public with people I don't even know. And a lot of times, you know, it just, it just bleeds out. Somebody will say something, say, here you go, amen. And they'll look at me all, I'm thank you. <laughs> or we'll do this for you, praise the Lord. Huh? You're welcome. <laughs> you know, you want to do this? I'm praying about it. What? I'm thinking about it. It just, it, if it comes in, it's got to come out. And, and we can't let it go. And in Joshua chapter 1, we know that uh, Moses, uh, God's servant, is dead and he is passing the baton. God is on to Joshua to lead the children of Israel into Canaan land and to fight the enemy and to take, uh, to take the promised land and him and Caleb. And I love that line of Caleb, one of my favorite lines in the Bible. Give me that mountain. And they're getting ready to come in and do battle. And this is what, this is God's marching orders to Joshua, verse 6. <laughs> Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law. Hey, it takes courage to live by the Bible. It takes courage to have conviction of the Word of God. It takes courage uh, to, to observe the things of God. To do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do, it's not just knowing, it's doing, uh, to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have I not commanded thee? Be strong. And of good courage. Be not afraid. Neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee. Whether thou shalt goest. You know encourage means to instill courage. Or to build courage. And the word of God does that. He said Joshua be strong and very courageous. And, and read the word of God. And be strong and very courageous. And speak the word of God. Be strong and very courageous. And do the word of God. 
because this book builds courage. Back to our text, 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 10. I love what it says here. Verse 10. Speaking of Eleazar, the battle was on, and it says, he arose. He, he made a stand. He went to battle. He made a stand. He arose. I like the story that's found at the death of Saul, right before this, the death of Saul, where it is is saying that Saul had died and they had nailed his body to a wall. And if you go back and you read at the very beginning of Saul's ministry, he rescued this little town and the people of this little town and it made him so famous. That's why they wanted to make him king. And and off the top of my head, because I have this in my notes, that little town, those Uh, He rescued them from the Philistines. And the Bible says after Saul died that all the valiant men arose. And you know where they arose from? That same town that delivered Saul. And they fought through the night to rescue the body of their king. If you're going to stand, you're going to rise up. Better be on the word of God. He arose. uh, uh, Eleazar arose. His hand was weary from the battle. Sometimes we get weary in the battle, and sometimes we get weary of the battle. But I love this. He couldn't let it down. He couldn't let it go. He was stuck to him. And the Lord wrought great victory that day. It wasn't his altogether his swordsmanship. We got a whole lot of people thinking it's swordsmanship these days. It's all about how good you can dissect different things in the Bible. It ain't about that. It's about the Spirit of God enabling the Word of God. My courage is in the Lord and in the power of His might. I've seen it save people. I've seen seen it save. I've seen it deliver alcoholics. I've seen it deliver drug addicts. I've seen it deliver all kinds of people. I've seen it deliver me. And I've seen myself mess up and fall. And I've seen it deliver me again. I've seen myself get discouraged. And I've seen it deliver me again. Now some will say, well now, I can't be used. I, different things. I'm reminded of the story of John Jasper, the, the old preacher. And they fellow kept mocking Jasper and said, Jasper, you can't preach. You can't preach. You're like a crooked stick. You know, your life's a twist. You're like a crooked stick. And one day Jasper looked at him and said, but my God can take a crooked stick and hit a straight lick. It isn't so much the sword. It's the Lord that wields it. Pick it up and see what he can do with it. Jeremiah said it was like in Jeremiah 20 verse 9, like a fire shut up in my bones. I want, I want you to know something. We get tired. I get tired. I get tired of this old world. I get tired. I get tired of this old world. Was it this Monday? No, it was last Monday. It was the money, Monday after Thanksgiving that we got back. So that was last week, wasn't it? Guy I worked for us overdosed on meth right there in front of us. Boy, 6'8". 
6'8". Used to play college basketball. Been on meth, he started meth raging. If you know what that means, that means he gets this real mad and everything, and he starts coming at that and everything. And somehow or another, we, I assisted him in calming him down. And and Jason, the other fellow that was there, he he was trying to wake him up. And uh, after that, and, and uh, man, uh, live, he just, I got to tell this. I know I'm a little over, but I got to tell this. Guy's eyes was rolling back in his head, and his feet was kicking after I assisted him to the floor. And uh, uh, he, uh, uh, and just to look at him, he's look at me, look at me, look at me, wake up, wake up. And finally he woke up, he finally woke up, and he looked at him, and Jason goes, <laughs> and finally he looked at him. But, but I get tired of this old world. I get tired of it. I get tired of every time I turn on the radio and on, and, 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 and on the television and the filth. I get tired of the battle without. I get tired of the battle within. Because uh, you know why I get tired of it? Because there's a part of Rob Jeffries called the flesh that actually enjoys that stuff. I can't win the battle without the word. I get tired of, of, of the problems and the, and, the, and the cares and all these other things. And then, you know what I really get tired of? I get tired of coming to church and people want to argue over the, over the littlest, stupidest stuff in the world. And I feel like going, there's a world dying and going to hell out there. And y'all want to argue that we shouldn't take somebody off the roll that, hadn't, that, that thinks that Reggie Moore's still the pastor. He's been... They ain't been to church in five years. They got a big fight over whether Paul was a church member when he was in the Arabian desert. And I'm sitting there going, what is going on? Well, Paul was in the Arabian desert for three years. He is a church member somewhere. You know what I told him? You might agree or disagree. No, the Bible says after he came out of the Arabian Desert, he joined the disciples at Jerusalem. You want to fight over every little thing? No. The Word of God. Keep you humble. It's the only thing I can hold on to. You know why I hold on to it? Because it's the only thing I got. It's the only thing I can hold on to. It's the only thing that's brought me this far. It was this Bible that, that comforted me and got me through the death of my parents. You know, and, and I say that a lot, but that, that, that's tough. I'm still not over that. My, my life still ain't been right. I had a fellow tell me that the other day. He said, since your mama's gone, you ain't, you ain't been <laughs> the same. And I said, no, I ain't. I still deal with that. It's been nine years. I still deal with it. The Bible comforts me and moves me through. The difficulties, and I'm not trying to have a pity party. I am not trying to have a pity party. Because everyone in here can sit back and you can talk about your difficulties and your trials and your heartache and everything. Even young ones. Hey, look, a burden to a five-year-old is just as, it may seem silly to you, but it's just as big in their heart as, as my 45-year-old burdens. 
get older, you get stronger to handle these things where you should. This is all I got to hold on to is this word. And I'll say this and we'll close. I picked up this Bible and you know what? It's the proven one. It's the, you know, my daddy was a preacher. It's the same one he preached from. Not the exact same copy, but it's, a, it's the same Bible. And my granddaddy, my mama's daddy was a preacher. It's the same one he, he, preached, he preached out of. The one I preach out of is the proven one. <laughs> What David say, no, I can't use that. I ain't proven that. I ain't proven that all that armor. That armor I haven't proven. This one here is proven. The one I'm preaching from tonight is proven. I've lost friends over that. Hey, I'll just say it out loud. I lost friends over that. There are people who won't talk to me over that. Yeah. I preached at your conference about why this, why this Bible. Yeah, there's certain people won't talk to me anymore because of that. I'm sticking with the book. It's a it's a battle. Nobody said life was easy. Nobody said the ministry was easy. We get weary. But when we are weary, that's even more when we don't put down the book, we hold to the book. 